Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to an episode of The Hangover, your day after the game show where we talk about uh, the previous game. Sometimes it's a good hangover. Sometimes it's a bad one. Uh, this one felt like maybe perhaps uh, this team maybe pre parked a little bit too early and showed up to the party. Not very good. How's it going, Shannon White? How you doing? Well, I'm doing about like everybody else. I'm uh to be honest, there's a range of emotions uh, from disappointed to pissed off, uh, still angry. I despise the losses more than I enjoy the victory. That's never mm-hmm. good. But part of the reason why is because we're dealing in a day and time where there's so much overreaction. Mm-hmm. And you can't, people will struggle to qualify and quantify what they actually saw. And they immediately, you know, it's the chicken little effect doom and gloom and the sky is falling and you know all i can say is to everybody move away from the ledge yeah i i I agree it's just one game as horrible as it seems but i think in 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 a certain a certain view say it was a little bit maybe perhaps a a dose of reality don't you want this team to get punched in the mouth if they're going to get punched in the mouth you want it to be right right away right first week get it out of the way um realize that you're gonna have to you know, show up. Nobody's just going to lay down because you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that if it was going to happen, this is the week you have a long week, you know, their next game isn't until Monday night. So this is a long week to chew on this. And, you know, I don't, I haven't seen the tape yet, but I'm pretty sure it's probably just as bad as what it looked like on the game, you know, watching the game film. What was your reaction immediately after the game? Well, they need to burn the film, destroy (laughs) the tape and move on. Yesterday was an embarrassment to the organization. It was an embarrassment on the field, and it was an embarrassment in the stand. When I turned the game on, I saw red, Daniel. Not, not. I wasn't angry yet, but it was so much red in the stands. And I'm like, what is going on? Uh, 
that looked like what the Steelers Nation does to other teams on the road who have lackluster fan bases. Steelers Nation, we move in, we dominate. It's like a Steelers home game away from home. Well, that's what it was yesterday for the 49ers. I mean, through the whole second half, it was let's go Niners. I don't ever remember hearing a chant that loud in a Steelers stadium, whether it was Three Rivers, Hines, or AccuShore. You know, and I had somebody say today, well, I mean, the tickets cost so much and, and everything's so pricey that, that the fans have a right to sell their tickets. And I understand that. But we're losing something along the way. I've been to games and people has been like, where I sit around some people who were wealthy. Mm-hmm. And they were like, whoever sold this guy those tickets, he don't need to be here because he's too loud. Now, yeah. I'm there. I'm in there watching warm-ups. The crowd comes in late in the first quarter because they're out partying and tailgating. They show up and then they leave early in the fourth quarter. They're they're there for the atmosphere. They're there for the, the camaraderie with the other fans. They're not really there. They don't care that much about the Steelers. Now, if they're winning, that's great. But if they're losing, they're like, yeah, you know, I don't care about this. The the fan is not, a Steelers fan is not what it used to be. Hmm. Now you have a lot of casual fans who make business investments by getting tickets because there's a lot of money there. But the problem is when you sell that many tickets to the opposition and they have a, a fan base because that's a Super Bowl contender team guy. They showed up and they showed out and they were loud and it didn't feel like a normal Steeler home game. So not only was it an embarrassment on the field, but I feel like it was an embarrassment in the stands as well. Yeah, I definitely noticed that as well. I did see the a lot more, you know, red or opposition colors in the stands. You know, I've been to a lot of away games and, you know, you're right. If you go to Houston, it's all black and gold. There is yeah. Yeah. any any Houston Texan fans. I've been to Arizona, black and gold. You know, the only place that I've gone that it was um, – kind of 50 50 uh with uh new orleans and that one that one that one was a tough game but i digress so yeah i saw that i saw the i saw all the red and and you're right the chance you could hear them on the television and it was it was pretty embarrassing to be honest with you i mean just the play as well you know there's a lot of questions as far as who's responsible who's at fault things like that and we'll get those but first i want to talk about something that uh is breaking right now. Cam Cam Hayward is appearing to go to the IR for a groin injury. He got hurt during the game and then uh, came back in for a play or so and then immediately walked back out very gingerly. Uh, looks like he's going to be on temporary IR. That's what, like six weeks at least that he won't be back? I think and it's four weeks. Oh, is it four now? So four weeks that he'll be out. Uh, answer on the defensive line. Did you see one yesterday? <laughs> I could fill in for, for Cam Hayward. I'm really not ready to move away from the the situation with the Steelers quite yet. And what I mean by that is everybody's got to understand this is a rebuilding team that Omar Khan and Andy Weidel, they totally reloaded the depth chart for the Steelers. They're they're new playing with each other. And the preseason two or three series, a game isn't going to cut it. So you know they should expect some growing pain coming out in opening week. Playing against the NFC contender San Francisco 49ers who are arguably the best and most talented team at least in the NFC if not the NFL and they are experienced playing together their leadership is all experienced proven all pro players you know Brock Purdy is the small part of that story you can plug in a lot of quarterbacks in that system with Shanahan coaching and you're going to have a very successful offense the two gameplay plans yesterday Looked like the Niners were playing chess and the Steelers were playing tiddlywinks or tic-tac-toe or jacks. I don't know what they were playing, but it was, it was ridiculous. The, it was the, you cannot compare the, the quality of the two teams. One team's a contender and other teams wanting to be a contender, but were proven to be pretenders yesterday. I think everybody needs to look at the quality of the opponent, circumstance, step back and take a look at it from a broad view before they overreact to the degree that we're seeing. Yeah, but you know, here, here's the thing though. The offensive the offensive team, the offensive side, majority of those guys are returning. The guys that have joined the team are supposed to be improvements. It wasn't like the defense who lost some players and and we got some fill-in guys and maybe they're an improvement, maybe they're the same, maybe there's a small drop off. You know, when you look at like Patrick Peterson, Cam Sutton, and Terrell Edmonds and and the entourage that they got to respond for him. You know, the offense isn't the same. 
Kenny Pickett had this entire offseason, did the whole nine yard, you know, everything that everybody used as an excuse last season as to why it was kind of rough in the beginning. And the the offense, in my opinion, came out flat footed and worse than the defense. Now, the defense had their 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 woes, but offensively, that wasn't what I was expecting. I mean, if you take the last two minutes of the drive, how many yards did they have at that point? Did they even have a first down at that point? And no, this they is have one yard. They have yeah. one yard and no first downs. Uh, but again, yeah, so the, the Niners uh, are experienced. They come out, they play coverages that the Steelers weren't expecting. They said so after the game. You know, Pickett went in the preseason, and he lit up all them vanilla defenses and second and third streak defenses. And the Steelers lost their identity, Daniel. This team mm-hmm. is built as a possession offense, a ball control offense that's going to have to rely on the offensive line and the running game to establish itself and then work play action and misdirection off of that. This is not an explosive offense. They had splash plays in the preseason, and they got enamored with those splash plays, and they come out and they called it uh, – the game plan was ridiculous. They opened up with a six-yard completion to George Pickens, and then they did the jet sweep on the second play to Calvin Austin the third – even though they was eight guys in the box against six blockers. Mm-hmm. That play was doomed before it even started. Then no, I- the second time they had the ball, everybody in the stadium knew they were going to run on first down to where they set a zero blitz almost on a running play. The Niners did because they knew that Canada was going to run that football. And now they Harris had to fight just to get back to the line of scrimmage. Players execute. But you have to have game plans in place to set these guys up for success. On defense, the Niners... Offense is a run after the catch offense. They do a lot of crossers. They do a lot of short passes. This is not a deep throwing offense. But yet we come out and play mild, soft zone defense coverage. Mm -hmm. Wallace and and, uh, Peterson was lined way off and give them these receptions. It was a game of pitch and catch. You have to disrupt the 49ers offense's timing. And they didn't even come close to doing that. Well, the reason why is because they didn't even try to do it. The reason why is because those cornerbacks that you mentioned aren't the fastest cornerbacks in the league. You know, if they go up and they press these type of receivers that they have, you know, they're going to, they're going to lose it. You know, they're, they're not going to be able to keep up. don't have fast wide receivers. I don't know, man. They, they seem to, well. They're good at running after the catch. Right. They they do not burn people deep. That's not their game. Well, that's, that's, that's by scheme. However, if you have somebody close and, you know, I think right now we just haven't seen that aspect of their game. A lot of that has to do with who their quarterback was last year. You know, kind of the same situation when you have with Kenny Pickett, where he didn't have a full offseason. He wasn't the number one guy. So the, their playbook was more simpler last season. He only has a few games under his belt. So going into this game, you, you can't let these receivers go over the top because maybe that's a different aspect of their game that they have possibly uh, implemented that wasn't implemented last season because they wanted to keep it more simple. And so, you know, what I saw in the field was one quarterback that was able to work throughout his scheme and was in another one who was really struggling. You know, we had passes that were low. We had receivers that were open that he wasn't hitting and uh, just bad accuracy across the board. You know, one of the things that I said about his preseason game that I thought he mostly improved when I'm talking about is Kenny Pickett, obviously, was his feet work, his footwork. I thought his footwork improved in that he was able to, you know, drive the ball and he had more velocity and he was more accurate. Uh, this game here, it just seemed like the 49ers defense was a lot faster than he expected. And he was uh, doing a little bit of a panic there and which caused his feet to go back to what they were almost last season, kind of ch- moving back and forth. And I think that affected his accuracy and his throws and his power down the field. It's a learning experience, in my opinion. I think he can get better. I don't think that's an example of who Kenny Pickett's going to be this season. And and, and it's obviously not all on him. But, you but know, this defense. The problem, Daniel. They didn't even try to run the ball. When, when, when they did try, it seven. was so predictable of what they were going to do. You knew it was coming. I called it before it happened. And, you, right. I mean, and then they had zero chance of winning that game with that game plan. They, again, where was the passes over the middle? Where okay. I mean, they didn't use they, were flags. they didn't use the middle of the field. They didn't establish anything because they had no identity. But here's and you've the thing. got I a have... quarterback who is a second-year quarterback who's a game manager that has showed clutch potential. But he has to have help. He has to have a running game. He has to have a efficient game plan 
to be effective, especially if you're playing the, one of the best teams in the NFC. And it was a complete failure all the way around. I don't disagree with you. I, I don't disagree with you at all. But at the at the same time, you have an, a high-powered offense that is quickly putting up points. I, I understand why they kind of went away from the running game to a certain you know, the first quarter, they jumped up on them. The second half, I mean, the first half, they jumped up on them. The second half, within, what, two plays, McCaffrey's down the sideline for another touchdown. And so it was quickly turned 27 to 7 for, for a while. I understand why they weren't doing the running game. Last season, it is that the Steelers were doing well in the two-minute drill. The year before, that seems like it was their M.O. as well. This year, that's the only thing that worked. Uh, that's the common common solution that happens in these games are the two-minute drill is what works. And I think that um, one of the receivers had confirmed why. They thought it was they were going to play a lot more cover two. That's what they practiced for, and they, they ended up not doing so. But when they went into the two-minute drill, it was more of what they anticipated and what they had uh, practiced for, which is why they were more successful in it. So, yeah, preparation, and in this situation, I, I can see this, why the defense struggled. You know, you also have that, you, know, you have a completely new secondary, uh, except for Minka Fitzpatrick, you have, and, and Levi Wallace, you have a completely new inside linebacker group. You know, there was going to be some growing pains, but, you know, going three and out constantly and leaving that defense on the field on a very hot, muggy day, I, I just don't see how that can be overlooked too much. I thought that the defensive front seven played hard, mm-hmm. played physical, uh, now, Montrevious Adams uh, was getting blown off the ball. But, again, I don't know why he's still starting. But <laughs> Keanu Benton did better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the second-highest defensive grade for the Steelers' defense, any of the players behind Watt. And he graded out at 86-something run defense mm-hmm. uh, or pass uh, pr- uh, pressure. Excuse me. He's the hope because it can't be Adams. Uh, I thought that the inside linebackers were much more physical. They were more uh, impactful and aggressive. But mm-hmm. the secondary left a lot to be desired. The long touchdown run by McCaffrey, Levi Wallace was atrocious that whole game. Uh, he was late and always reads and reacting. He was late. He come in on that long touchdown by McCaffrey, and McCaffrey put that spin move on him, and he whiffed, and he had outside containment. And after that, it was just a race down the sidelines, and the Niners had two good blocks by Aku and um, the guy used to be with the Steelers, um, Ray Ray McLeod. He yeah. had a big block down the sidelines, too, that sprung mm-hmm. him. But again, where was Joey Porter Jr.? I think I heard he got seven snaps. No, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen the official numbers yet. If you watch the teams that were successful this weekend and the way they mixed up their coverages and the way they played closer to the line to take away those quick passes and they, they, they alternate and they press and they're aggressive, the Steelers are so passive, and I really expected something different this year especially against a team that is not known for throwing deep. Now, does mm-hmm. that mean they can't? I don't know. We haven't seen them do it. They they threw the ball very seldom deep last year, whether mm-hmm. it was Garoppolo, Lance, or Purdy. Well, now it's Purdy's team, and we know what he could do, and he loves timing passes and short stuff. And instead of making them beat you doing something that they don't want to do, we just let them play pitch and catch all day and do exactly what they wanted to do. That is, I can't, I can't handle that game plan. Yeah, uh, you built a team that your pass rush is your strength. Why well, mm-hmm. got three sacks? They got a few pressures other than him. Right, uh, like you knew that High Smith was going to be a bystander, so use him in coverage or whatever. Because Trent Williams is the best tackle in football, and he wasn't going to get do anything against Trent Williams. What I'm saying is. They had no chance to get there on a lot of occasions because against that offensive line, even that pass rush, they was able to get the ball out so fast. I was expecting more tighter coverage, press coverage, and turn that pass rush loose. What, Herbie played a handful, four or five snaps? But he got there on the second sack by what? He actually got by Williams, and I think he would have had a chance for the sack if Watt wouldn't have got it. So, I mean, they're going to have to make some changes. They're going to have to quit playing so conservative on on defense, and they're probably going to have to reel in some of this on the offensive side and establish that offensive line can't be absorbing all day long. Mm -hmm. And that's what it turned into. The Niners' defense is too good, and and they just got overwhelmed. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of our quick break from our sponsors. If you're on the YouTube, Facebook side, not going anywhere. Um, 
on our audio side. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And welcome back to The Hangover. I'm Daniel, along with Shannon. We're talking about last year, yesterday's embarrassing loss from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the 49ers, 30-7. to And we're talking about you know, who, what went wrong in this game. Now, as far as where you were going with the cornerbacks back a little and not pressuring, I think the game plan was to tackle the catch, that they were going to throw it short if, as long as you tackled them when they caught the ball, that you would um, either you know stop them short and or if you can disrupt them, uh, maybe perhaps pop the ball up in the air and, and you know, the tip drill. Kind of like what happened last time the Steelers played them. It didn't, it didn't happen this time. And, you know, I think what the game plan is, but I think it, I mean, in the second half, the 49ers, you know, scored what, 10 points. So they scored, uh, you know, I think the defense started to tie up. They really had that one big play, you know, uh, well, they had a lot of other plays, but uh, McCaffrey had that one big play for the TD. You know, if not for that, they, they held them to three points in, in the entire second half. Like I said, I anticipated there would be growing pains with this defense just because they're new and uh, a lot of new players together. Uh, you know, I you said earlier that you thought the middle linebacker group did well. Man, I was watching the game. And I felt like Landon Roberts had a couple of missed tackles in this game and his pursuit wasn't quite there. And, and he didn't tackle the catch. He didn't keep it in front of him, especially when he was guarding McCaffrey. Do you think that this should have been a game that Quan Alexander should have played more in? I think Quan had more snaps. Did he? I haven't seen it official, like I said, but I think he had more snaps throughout the game than Roberts did. Mm-hmm. Roberts started the game. Now, I believe Roberts had a strong game against the run, uh, whereas on the long touchdown run by McCaffrey, uh, Alexander got caught in traffic. But he was mm-hmm. trying to get to the ball carrier. But he got caught on the inside. And then, of course, McCaffrey was able to do the spin move on Wallace and Wallace lost outside containment and then McCaffrey got outside and then it was just a foot race. But no, I, I, like I said, I don't put the blame on the inside linebackers. Uh, it was more the defensive game plan. Uh, it was, uh, I did not like the coverages, as I've said, uh, not against that offense, knowing what they want to do and to allow anybody to play to their strengths is idiotic. And that's what they did. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier about the Cam Hayward situation. Uh, Just to show you how bad the coaching decisions were yesterday, you have a 34-year-old defensive lineman who is vital to this defense, and he comes to the sidelines in a game that you're getting dominated, and you can tell you're getting dominated. And he comes to the sidelines with a groin strain or groin pull, and he's trying to decide what to do. He should have never went back in. Never. Now he goes back in. Immediately on the next play, it's an outside zone run, He's trying to get outside, and you see him go down. Uh, 
And so he's probably got a severe strain. I don't know what grade we're talking right now, but obviously if they're talking about him going on IR maybe, or possibly even surgery. Yeah. I was going to say surgery. Uh, yeah. That's, that's bad decision. It mm-hmm. was one bad coaching decision on top of another bad coaching decision. And that one's probably going to cost the Steelers a good bit of time with Cam Hayward on the IR. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know everybody wants to blame the players and the lack of execution. Uh, that happens sometimes when you're going up against a team that's more talented than you, more than you, a true contender. But to be out coached and have that many bad coaching decisions, that falls squarely on the coaching staff. And I thought that they were out coached at every level other than special teams, even though when you watch their punter and then you watch Presley Harvin, uh, you couldn't help but be envious. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think that the coaching, I mean, obviously putting Cam Hayward back out there was was ridiculous. I mean, there was a lot of questionable decisions. I even questioned the coin toss, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, they won the coin toss and decided to get the ball. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if that's a good idea. But all right. You know, it is what it is. And, you know, I just thought to myself, there's a lot of them going in. Why not put your your strength out there? and see what happens, right, and and continue yeah. that momentum. If the offense goes out there and does a three and out, it's just going to be super deflating, and, and that's exactly what happened. Um, and it just continued to snowball after that, and there's going to be some games that are like that. I don't think that the Steelers are that bad compared to the 49ers. You know, I think that are the 49ers a better team right now? Yes, obviously. Yeah. You, you saw it across the board, what they were able to do just, you know, offensively. It did look significantly superior to what uh, Matt Canada puts out there. But at the same token, you know, there was a lot of uh, sports beat writers that were in stadium who have come forward and kind of said that, you know, there was receivers running open in a lot of those plays. If, you know, what does what do you think has to happen to to fix this offense? Do you think it's Matt Canada or do you think that, you know, this is going to be something that's going to take the entire season to fix? Maybe perhaps Vegas was more accurate with their prediction on eight and a half wins. Well, I say one play that a in-stadium expert said, there's a guy running wide open. And I've seen the happen. I've seen the play happen. Uh, Calvin Austin III was in the slot. He went to run a, a crossing pattern, and his guy fell down. And he cleared to the left side of the field wide open. They wasn't nobody anywhere. If he'd hit him with the ball, an easy little 10, 12-yard pass, he would have went to the house. The problem is he had pressure right up the middle and he was flushed to his right. Now it's easy to sit watching the game, you know, on replay and say, or even in the stands in a way up and say, man, look at that. He's wide open. But what was happening in front of Kenny Pickett that maybe caused him not to see that. And there was pressure right up the middle on that play. Uh, mm. There was too much pressure yesterday. I was not expecting that out of this offensive line because Tamalu is a huge upgrade and Cole and Daniels, I thought that interior was the strength of this offensive line. But both tackles struggled yesterday. Mm-hmm. Dan Moore looked like, not like the Dan Moore we saw uh, in the latter part of last season and the Dan Moore we saw in the preseason who fought and won and kept that position. Dan Moore looked bad yesterday. He gave up nine pressures. Uh, He was the lowest graded offensive tackle, according to PFF, in the NFL yesterday. Now, what's the solution to that problem? Can he bounce back? You know, he's had some good matchups with Miles Garrett in the past, and he's going to need another one this uh, Monday. Mm -hmm. But if not, you know, you're going to have to get Broderick Jones ready a lot faster than everybody thought. Because they can't have what happened yesterday. Now, again, we also got to remember, that's the best team and most talented team that the Steelers are going to face this season. I really believe that. Looking at their no. schedule, I don't know who's better than the Niners left on their schedule. You but- see, here, here's the problem with that, though. You know, I didn't think that this team would get blown out like they did last year against the Buffalo Bills. I thought that those games were behind them. And, you know, I thought that, they would at least look competitive against most teams. You know, I'm not saying that they were going to go out and beat the teams like the 49ers or, or you know, the Bills or, or the Chiefs, you know, the higher echelon, but that they would be competent and competitive. What we saw yesterday wasn't. And and something completely different as well. I, I have, a, in fact, I even put it on my Twitter, State of Steelers. Uh, there's a picture there where it was the Connor Hayward throw that intercepted over the middle um, by their safety that looks like a, you know, Troy Palomalu knockoff. Um, He's his distant cousin. 
Izzy. Hey, I know that they work out together, but yeah, yeah. in that play, Kenny Pickett steps up and in front of him is maybe 20 yards of open space. To his left is an open, not I think it was either Najee uh, or Deontay, and to the right coming over the middle about 15, 16 yards wide open in that situation was uh, George Pickens. And you had open receivers in every location, but what he did was he uh, tried to look off the receiver or, or the corner of uh, the safety by looking one way. And then he looked back at, at at Hayward and it wasn't there. And yet he just still continued. He held on to it longer and then he forced it. And then it got popped up and got intercepted. I, I heard also that from people that are at the game that there were multiple occasions where receivers were open down the field. I think that this defense was just a little too fast for him. I think that it, the game will slow down. And I think the defenses are going to slow down. Uh, this next game is going to be tough. It's it's against the Browns. They, they Their defense looked pretty good against you know the Bengals and what they did with Burrow. Uh, what I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I'll be honest with you. Um, where, where's your concern level on the quarterback position? I'm, like I said, he got rattled, mm-hmm. you know, after the, the struggles of the, the first half and then the, the defense, like I said, the Niners threw some coverages at him. And he wasn't prepared for, he had Friar Muth Dillon with a chest injury. Uh, Deontay Johnson goes out on his best player of the day and he pulls his hammy and our town long he's going to be out. Uh, he's throwing to Calvin Austin, the third, uh, and Kenny Robertson, uh, which is their first time playing with him, you know, in the regular season, there was a lot of factors, a lot of factors. And one of the factors is the Niners have a really, really good defense. And yeah, in, in the second half, he did miss some reads, uh, and, and he missed some throws. Uh, he wasn't comfortable. He wasn't as confident, but a lot of that was because of the defense. Now, he has a chance this week to try to rebound, but the Browns looked very good at home yesterday against the Bengals. But what we got to remember, again, we can't overreact about that. The Browns were at home, and it was a monsoon. It was an absolute monsoon. And Pickett, not Pickett, but Burroughs could not throw the ball. Burroughs had the most passes ever, over 30 sub passes. For a guy that finished with under 100 yards, he only had 82 yards passing. That's record-setting bad. He tried to throw to T. Higgins, and I really know because Higgins is on my fantasy team. He threw. He had. He was 0 for 8 throwing to T. Higgins, and that's a guy that he completes over 70 some percent of his passes to. That was just a really bad game from a guy who was hurt all preseason and Burroughs went out there and the Bengals do not play their starters in the preseason. Just like the Steelers beat them last year. They come out rusty in week one. And in that monsoon and under those conditions, if you have a Nick Chubb, you have a huge advantage because the Bengals don't have a Nick Chubb. Right. Uh, and, and so uh, that game was, a, it was close to a couple of mistakes by the Bengals allowed the, the Browns to take control in the second half. So it was a, just an ugly, rainy game. That being said, the Browns, if they could easily come into Pittsburgh and defeat the Steelers on Monday night, if the Steelers go out there with that terrible game plan on both sides of the ball and they don't establish the identity that I thought they were trying to build all offseason, if they don't go out there and establish that early on Monday, it could get ugly again. Yeah, I agree. In last season, we saw... You know, when Kenny Pickett came in, he threw a couple of interceptions. You know, I think that they had, you know, opened up the playbook a little bit. And when he threw a few interceptions, Tomlin closed that playbook and kind of put some handcuffs on him and Matt Canada. I honestly think that they're going to give this another shot, giving Kenny an opportunity to um, put the team on his shoulders, so to speak, and see what he can do in those moments just because, you know, they, they had the first game, didn't go their way. That defense was probably one of the top best, uh, you know, in the league. So maybe perhaps I think that that might be the game plan, though, is to come out and and pass the ball on the Browns. Um, I'm not sure if that's the smartest game plan. Steelers offensive line is a little bit banged up. You have, you know, we talked about Chicks Corfor, who's probably a concussion protocol now. Mm-hmm. All indication is that he's in good spirits and he's healthy. But, you know, that's still, you know, there's no telling if he's actually had a concussion or not. The protocol doesn't mean you've had one. Mm-hmm. And there's no long, you know, determination on how long a person can be in there or not. Um, you also have James Daniels, who was in a, a walking boot. Now, I, I have less concern about James Daniels because you you have a Herbig behind him. Mm-hmm. The tackle position, if Chooks goes out, Dan Moore is going to move to the right side. You know, he he led an, 
happen after he moved to the right side this last game. Now, I think Broderick Jones played well enough, but I'm not sure about that right side offensive line. If uh, if Cheeks can't go on the right side, how concerned are you about this offensive line going against you know the likes of Miles Garrett and company on on the Cleveland Browns? It would definitely be concerning. Uh, you know, you need one guy uh, to be the guy that you can count on to fulfill his responsibilities, and then you could chip and help out on the other side. So if Roger mm-hmm. Jones was to have to play on the left side, you would just try to give. Uh, Garrett, a huge diet of chip blocks and put uh, Darnell Washington over on that side. And uh, you seen him plant Nick Bosa yesterday. I mean, Washington, if if they expecting him, they don't realize how strong and big and powerful he is. And he planted Nick Bosa. Bosa got up and he was smiling. He was laughing about it because he didn't even see Washington. Washington took him out. Uh, So hopefully uh, Core 4 will pass concussion protocol and he'll be all right but yeah that that's uh i believe the offensive line is much better than they showed yesterday but mm-hmm. i think that it's like anything else they're going to play together for a while yeah to to jail and uh you know we've seen that yesterday that there was uh a few times that that they struggled and then when the game got out of hand, everybody knew the Steelers were passing on every play. And that just lets a team like the Niners with their pass rush tee off. And it, and it makes everything more difficult. So mm-hmm. hopefully the Steelers won't get behind 20 to nothing or, you know, <laughs> like, it, like it was so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they can play, uh, stick to their game plan. And hopefully they'll have a better game plan. <laughs> Well, I got a question for you. Monday night, they win the coin toss. You think they're kicking or are they going to, uh, you know, receive in, in that situation? I, I don't think it's automatic that they're going to receive. <laughs> I, I think I think they might kick this time. Um, I like the confidence uh, and, and trying to instill confidence and pick it. Again, I, I just I, I keep going back to uh, I did not like the game plan against that defense on yeah. either or that offense. I didn't like the game plan at all on either side of the ball. But what you mentioned earlier, and I never did answer about Cam Hayward mm-hmm. and what did I, what do I think about the Steelers trying to, you know, make do without him? When the Steelers lost Tyson and Lulu, they had no real alternative. They had no backup plan. I believe this year they are much more prepared to get by and tread water without Hayward. And what I mean is we saw how good Benton looked in his first regular season action. Mm-hmm. Armand Watts didn't even dress. He was inactive. But we saw that he can really give them some good minutes off the bench. They have Brendan Fahuku on the practice squad who has experience. If they wanted to, say, try Benton some, so I think a Benton will eventually be Cam Hayward's replacement. Mm-hmm. Or he'll play if Ogajobi goes elsewhere. He'll play. I don't think that Benton is a long-term nose tackle. He he's too athletic, moves too well. I think he'll end up playing more of an end position for the Steelers. So uh, they have options this year. Uh, I thought that Louder Milk looked better yesterday. He was he looked stouter at the point of attack. He collapsed the pocket some. Benton looked really good. Demarvin Leal made some flash there here and there. He made some plays, and they kept going out saying he was hurt, and he kept coming back in. So you know. But I thought that they held up well, mm-hmm. even though Hayward was out and Ogunjobi was obviously on a snap count. Yeah. And, you know, with Ogunjobi, though, I don't know if he's going to be here long term. I think the Steelers have an out after this season. And given yeah. his extensive injury um, history going back to last season, you know, if he's on the injury report again all week and next week. And, you know, it's a constant thing the entire year. I wouldn't be surprised if they let him go. I'm surprised, though. What I am surprised is the non-use of Keanu Benton, the almost like um, stubbornness to not put him out uh, with the starter starting unit. The guy applies pressure. He's Mm -hmm. he looks havoc. He's always in the mix when I see him on the field. I've been super impressed by him, but I don't understand why they're not playing him. I don't understand not playing uh, Joey Porter Jr. I just you know, I get they said that they don't want to put the pressure on the rookies, but, you know, what about what, what's the sudden change? I mean, they, you know, they gave Kenny four games. They threw him as a rookie. Najee Harris was a starter as a rookie. So was Pat Fryermuth. Like, why why be fearful if these guys have the talent to make your team better? Well, I think you got to play everybody. In, right. in this modern NFL uh, 
the way the salary cap is, your limited window of success, uh, you know, with guys on rookie contracts, you got to play guys. You got to find out early what you have. And mm-hmm. the Steelers have some, obviously, have some talented rookies. Uh, I wanted to see more Nick Herbie gifts, mm-hmm. uh, especially when the game started to get out of hand. Uh, let's see what he can do. How does he hold up against the running game when the Niners are trying to pound McCaffrey in the second half? Uh, he looked good to me when he was out mm-hmm. there. Uh, I want to see more Washington uh, because his blocking is, it makes an impact already. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., the couple of plays I watched him and focused on him, he pressed. He was up. He wasn't like uh, Peterson and Wallace. You know, that's not his game. He wants to start up close. And he did a good job. And on Debo Samuel, uh, the problem is nobody could cover Brandon or Cook. Uh, nobody. I mean, it was like he was open every day on time. But, yeah, yeah I'm like you. I mean, I, I kind of understood Broderick Jones just from the aspect of his age and his inexperience. And they wanted to ease him in there. But these other guys are all, I think, ready to contribute immediately. And now it looks like we might have to see if Broderick Jones is ready to contribute immediately. You know, I'm excited to see these these rookies come in. You know, I, I want to see them. I'd rather, I think we've seen Dan more and what he can bring to the table. You know, and nothing against him. I think he's a talented guy. I think he's a uh, capable, you know, tackle. And he's uh, serviceable and maybe starter capable. He's, he's not something special. You know what I mean? And I think that... Yeah. Broderick Jones has that ceiling to be something special. Mm-hmm. And in the, in this position here, you know, going up against the best iron sharpening iron, you know, going up against the miles Garrett could have gone up against Bosa last week or yesterday. I think those are opportunities that are missed. I get, you don't want to shake confidence and things of that nature. If it ends up not going well, but you, know, you moved up to the 14th slot, you moved up in the first round. You have to be confident that he's capable. If you're willing to do that for that guy. You know, it doesn't make sense that you're going to move up. You're going to take a guy and not play them, you know, come week one. I just don't understand. I just don't understand the, the, the plan there. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but yeah, with that put to the side, given his age and everything. And, and, you know, then again, also it's what he's doing. And maybe he's not performing uh, as well as Dan Moore. But the other guys who we've been able to see play like a uh, Darnell Washington, who did pancake bosa which i saw and that looked amazing you know he was doing that against maybe not the pancake part but he was blocking and was able to block tj watt alex highsmith he had problems with nick herbig but he was able to do that in camp against the best dude man put him out there more you know what i mean and he has the ability to catch i don't understand why when the steelers were in the red zone they didn't target him at one at all at once. It, it makes zero sense. He's a huge guy. He can go up and catch. You know, I thought that was the point of bringing him in. And, you know, it was supposed to be a pick your poison. And it just seemed like everything, everything was poisonous to the Steelers yesterday. If, if you notice, the game plan was a lot in the first quarter, trying to force the ball to Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Pickett forced the one that was intercepted that Johnson fell down on. Uh, but it was a force regardless because he really wasn't open. Right. But it was like, you know, it was like almost old habits die hard. You know, being forced the ball to Deontay Johnson. Well, then Pickett, when he started, he forced the ball to Deontay Johnson. And, you know, George Pickens, uh, who was a little bit concerning yesterday. We haven't talked about that, but right. you know, the we seen a little of the diva quality come out and and I, I want to see guys fired up. I want to see guys competitive and want to win. Uh, but he got that 15 yard penalty and you knew it was coming because he mm-hmm. gets up after making a play and he gets in the guy's face and he just stays there jaw jacking with the guy until they throw the penalty. They didn't even throw it immediately. They give him a few seconds. But he just kept on and on and on. So then Tomlin takes him out. You've got so much talent that you don't have to force feed that ball to Deontay Johnson. That's actually counterproductive. And so hopefully again, you know, it was just a really, really bad opening game performance. And uh, we're going to see the Steelers raise their level across the board and and be prepared for Monday night because Tomlin has been very successful on Monday night. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Steelers have been very successful. So uh, hopefully that'll help get them over the hump. I hope so, too. They they need to wear the color rush. That'll that'll give them over the hump. <laughs> Monday night at home, color rush. You know, everybody bring your lucky jerseys. Uh, but, you know, <clears throat> we have a, uh, a super chat. I'm trying to bring it up on my uh, computer for whatever reason. It's from a DQ Strong says, if we want to fix the run D, it needs to put 
Fihoko in at nose. Adams got washed away in the water. I agree. I think that Martavius Adams just is not a is not a nose. There it goes. He's not a nose tackle, in my opinion. Not a not one that's what you need. He he does apply what you need in this position. I think that a Keanu Benton uh, would do a little bit better in that position. A Brandon Fihoko, even a even an Armin Watts would probably be a little bit better as being that bigger guy that's just gonna not get pushed away. You get what I'm saying? What what are your thoughts on Martavius Adams? Do you think that he's gonna you know, he's still gonna continue to start, or you think that maybe the Steelers are gonna start moving in a different direction? I I know you remember, and everybody that has watched these podcasts, I didn't think Adams was gonna make this squad. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely didn't think he was gonna be starting against the Niners because he is not a nose tackle, and he's been playing mm-hmm. out of position, and it's not fair to the young man. And when they actually waived Brendan Fahuko and put him on the practice squad, I was shocked because I expected Benton to be the starter and Fahuko to come in uh, and play, especially against run-heavy teams like the Browns, who the Steelers play Monday night. So I definitely expect to see Fahuko playing Monday because when you're going up against Nick Chubb, that's when Landon Roberts is going to make his money. That's when Kanal Neal is going to make his money. Brandon Fahuko, Keanu Benton, these guys – are the run stuffers, and you need them, especially this coming week against the Browns. So, uh, but I totally agree that Adams is getting washed out on these plays. But again, he's playing out of position, and it's not really fair to him uh, or the rest of the defense, for that matter. Yeah, I also agree. You know, and I was I echoed the same thing. I, I thought that you know if there was going to be a defensive lineman that wasn't going to make the team after what Terrell Austin had said, I thought it was going to be Martavius Adams. I was super surprised he made the team. I was surprised that he was starting yards. And, you know, I think that in this game, you're definitely going to see Fioko. I'd be surprised if he ends up being the guy that's moved up from the practice squad to the 53 once once uh, Hayward goes on the IR officially and there's that roster open. Um, I think that's a move that they probably need to make before somebody else takes him and you're kind of stuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> but going back to George Pickens, you know, with him kind of, you know, doing that conduct that got him the personal foul. I think that also goes back to coaching. You know, when everybody was gooing and awing over the uh, catch over over Joey Porter, nobody realized that nobody went and talked to him and told him, hey, you know, that after stuff is going to cost a penalty. You can't be doing it. You know, they let him do his thing. So why are they surprised that they're letting him get away with this in practice that he's going to try it during the game? That's why he was the second round draft pick. That's true. Right there. That's the reason. I mean, every scout spoke glowingly about his athleticism and his talent, but people did not like his lack of maturity. You see that. Like you said, I mean, he got up after making that catch and put the ball in his teammate's face and all. And I mean, you know, if Porter would have got into it with him over, I wouldn't have blamed Porter. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't show somebody up like that. Um, But, you know, there's a fine line. You don't want to affect the guy's competitiveness, but he has to be team first and have the maturity not to hurt the team. And, you know, what if he does that in a big moment? You know, that could have been, if you're that focused and lack of focus on the team first, you could do that like Chase Claypool when time's running out against the Vikings and he's signaling first half and dropping the ball instead of taking it and spotting it so they could get down it. Um, that's a lack of awareness. And and that matters. It matters. Uh, the you got to be aware of the score the time, your place on the field, uh, the situation. So, yeah, I, I was a little bit concerned about that as well. I think that was that's a teachable moment. And hopefully Tomlin, he didn't do it on the sidelines, but hopefully he's done it today or sometime this week and they have a conversation. Yeah, and, and the last thing I want to talk before we, we call it a show is um, Deontay Johnson is a guy that I also think is going to be uh, maybe out for a little while. You know, the way he went down – he, yeah. he had to get helped up and, you know, not putting any pressure. It seems like it's probably one of those grades that are going to be more extensive. Do you feel confident in, in Calvin Austin and what he did yesterday? Uh, or do you think the Steelers are going to go out and get another receiver? Maybe all of the above. Uh, I think <laughs> Calvin Austin showed that he can run routes. Uh, he was one of the guys, as I said, that was open on a few plays there that, uh, you know, when in that second half, pick it what and see in the field. Well, Austin has that speed factor. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. And they have Robertson. Yeah. And, and, but none of, none of those guys get open like Deontay Johnson, you know, that mm-hmm. his, his route running 
That's what makes him special. So they're going to miss that. They might try to bring in somebody. I don't know who's out there. Uh, but honestly, based on what I saw yesterday, I'd like to see a lot of 12 package, two tight ends. I'd like to see Fryermuth. I'd like to see Washington. Uh, I'd like to see Fryermuth work the slot. Uh, and and again, you've got Connor Hayward. You've got Calvin Austin. You've got uh, Allen Robertson. There is options there. Uh, but they've got to find that identity, establish that running game, and then work off of that. I think that's more important than trying to find another receiver. I agree with you. I think that right on that on that aspect, the what you have right now is definitely needs to come together, and and then you can start to think about adding pieces. Uh, but yeah, I mean Deontay Johnson is definitely the guy that's going to get open, uh, but that's because of his route running. Calvin Austin can get open because of his speed. I do think that he does have that route running ability. He did come back. He, he tracked mm-hmm. the play act, uh, pass interference. I think the, you also have to respect his um, his off speed. So cornerbacks can't really press him too much because if he gets around you, he's gone. And Oh, yeah. And did you, you know, see I, him fight to get back to the line of scrimmage on that terrible jet sweep? He yeah. broke three tackles to get back to the line of scrimmage. And everybody always tells me, well, Deontay Johnson can't break a tackle, guys. He's so little. He's bigger than Calvin Austin. But Calvin Austin showed heart and fought to get back to that line of scrimmage. That's what I'm talking about. I don't expect him to be Debo Samuels, but I at least want to see him try. Yeah. Yeah, and I was impressed by his game. He was, what, six for six. So every every throw went, went his way. He ended up catching. The only one that dropped was the pass interference call. Yeah, yeah. And so... You know, he, he almost caught it. <laughs> yeah, he almost did. And if he wasn't getting hit, you know, a little early, I think he ends up coming out with it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with that, you know, that aspect. And, you know, I think that given a full week now with Kenny Pickett and and Calvin Austin, if he's going to be the guy that's replacing Deion, that's going to do well for, you know, their chemistry. But it's just a super unfortunate incident for, for Deontay Johnson. He had a couple of opportunities to score some touchdowns in this game, in my opinion, if the ball was placed a little bit better. Uh it just seems like for whatever reason he just cursed from the end zone, man. I feel bad for the guy. Oh, that uh, that one was a walk-in touchdown and pick it through behind him. Yeah, uh, yeah. that you know, again, like you said, it was just it was just the day we all want to forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and to look forward to next week. I think you're right as well. You got to get more Darnell Washington involved. You got to get, you know, the uh, the running game going. I think that's going to be super important. I don't know what the weather's going to be like this Monday night. I'm actually going to be at the game. So if you're going to be out there, hit me up. I'll be at the game. Uh, hopefully it looks a lot better than what we saw yesterday. I, I have a feeling that it will. But uh, oh, we can only we can only have to wait until the game starts to see it for sure. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything you can need to plug in before we uh, let it go? Well, uh, just I've got the stock report article coming out tomorrow. So mm-hmm. check that out. Uh, you know, trying to to keep things rational and 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 uh, look at the big picture. And uh, you know, there's it was mainly a lot of criticism this week, which I I, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy those articles. But also trying to you know look at the, the the things rationally and give us a little hope. So definitely check it out tomorrow. Awesome. Make sure you guys check that out at steelcurtainnetwork.com. You're one out for all your Pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage for me. I'll be back on the audio side only on Friday, previewing the upcoming matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns. Uh, With that all being said, Shannon, take us out.